Welcome to the Holistic Health Bites podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Nicholson, crime scene investigator turned metabolic health investigator. This podcast provides bite-sized episodes to help you have a pristine health scene so you can live a vibrant, adventure-filled life. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome back to the Holistic Health Bites podcast. Today, we're talking all about fasting. We're going to talk about what it is, what it's not, bust some myths, and discuss some benefits and risks, who should not fast, and who could benefit from fasting, all of the things. Let's dive in. I'd love to hear from you on this topic as well. Have you ever tried intermittent fasting or time-restricted eating? Have you intentionally fasted for longer than a day outside of when you're sick and you just don't want to eat? Send me a message on Facebook or Instagram or shoot me an email and let me know what your experience has been. So what is fasting? For those who are new to the concept or may have heard that it's dangerous, let's clear up the definition. Fasting is not the same as starvation. Fasting is the voluntary abstinence from food. This can be done for health, spirituality, religion, or many other reasons and has been done throughout history for a variety of reasons. Fasting can be started and stopped at any time. Again, because it's voluntary. Starvation, on the other hand, is the involuntary absence of food in the diet. This is not intentional or desired. I love the distinction by Dr. Jason Fung. The difference between fasting and starvation is akin to running for recreation versus running away from a tiger. They're completely different. Fasting can be done for a few hours, to several days. In fact, all of us have some level of fasting daily. Unless you're attached to an IV or some outside source pumping food into you, or you're eating 24 hours a day, because we usually aren't eating during sleep. So we're in a fasted state while sleeping. Some of us extend that fasted state for several hours beyond sleep. For simplicity's sake, think of your fast beginning when you finish the last bite of food in a day or the last calories you take in. The fast continues until you take in calories the next day. So for example, let's say you finish dinner at 6 p.m. and you don't take in any calories later in the evening and then you have breakfast the next day at 8 a.m. You were in a fasted state for 14 hours. For someone who routinely doesn't eat breakfast, which by the way, is not a rule you must follow to be healthy, this fasted state might be extended to noon or so, which would be an 18-hour fast. Pretty simple, right? Let's talk about a few myths and misconceptions. First, I've already mentioned that breakfast is not a required meal to be healthy. Many people simply aren't hungry or don't feel well if they eat early in the day. Others find that their workouts are stronger when they work out before they eat. And still others do best when they eat early in the day or eat the biggest meals early in the day. We're all different. There are no rules around when you must eat your meals or even how many meals you should eat. What your unique schedule looks like is determined by your lifestyle, activity level, genetics, preferences, social life, medications, and many other factors that are unique to you. Second, 
you've likely been told to eat smaller, more frequent meals throughout the day. For the vast majority of people, this practice isn't serving you. It's being propagated by the food industry, funneled through medical and dietitian schools to increase the snack market. This is not about your health. The food industry leaders know that you're not likely to cook and prepare five to six different meals and snacks from scratch each day. So if you need to eat that often, you'll likely buy bars, crackers, snack packs, shakes, and other prepackaged convenience foods. Even if you were to make all of your food from scratch, this still isn't boosting your metabolism. What frequent eating is doing is causing frequent insulin spikes and not allowing those insulin levels to ever return to baseline. When your insulin level is elevated, your body cannot use body fat for fuel. It can only burn what you're taking in each day. It's likely you're taking in more than your immediate needs dictate. So this increases the likelihood that you'll store some of that food as fat. So this reduces fat burning and increases fat storage. Likely not the direction you were going for, right? Third, opponents of fasting will say that fasting is just a veiled attempt to reduce calories and in actuality is really no different than simply cutting back on what you eat. This one might be true for some people, but there's more to the story. Fasting can help regulate your appetite. So many people do say that they're often less hungry and they do therefore take in less. This is really helpful for someone who tends to overeat. This can bring down their calories, but most often it brings it down to the level that they should be at, not less. Studies have also been done looking at fasting versus not fasting. And even when both groups are fed the exact same food and the exact same calories, the fasting groups tend to fare better in weight loss, blood pressure improvements, blood sugar response, insulin levels, abdominal fat mass, and even mood regulation. There are different types of fasting protocols that vary from short duration fasts to longer fasts over many days. Generally, time-restricted eating, or TRE, is a consistent schedule of fasting done daily. This is often described as a ratio between the number of hours fasted and the number of hours during which all food is consumed. So 16-8 or 18-6, etc. This would include the schedule we discussed earlier where someone skips breakfast and is therefore in a fasted state for 18 hours from 6 p.m. one day through noon the next day. This would be an example of 18-6. Now this is just an example. The exact hours aren't the point. It's the length that determines this. Intermittent fasting, or IF, by contrast, is intermittent. This would usually describe an eating pattern that is not the same every day, but rather has some longer fasting periods or entire days that are fasted throughout a given week. This could include schedules like a 5-2, where food is consumed on a normal three meal a day schedule for five days of the week, and then two days of the week are entirely fasted. This could also be an alternating schedule, where maybe you have lunch and dinner one day, followed by the next day, you only have one meal that could be either lunch or dinner. So each day is different rather than the same routine every day. Extended fasting would include fasting longer than 24 hours. This could be 48 hours, 72 hours, or even up to five days. Generally, it's not recommended for most people to go longer than 72 hours without medical supervision. 
I recommend you work with someone trained in fasting for your first fast longer than 24 hours. Preferably really when you start any fasting regimen, just to make sure that you're implementing it correctly, safely, and with the right goals in mind. So what are the benefits and risks associated with fasting? Let's talk about the benefits first. And there are many. Some highlights are fasting has been shown to boost mental clarity, concentration, creativity, overall brain function, improves weight and body fat loss, regulates appetite, reduces blood sugar levels to a healthier range, improves insulin sensitivity, lowers insulin levels, increases energy and interest in being active, improves fat burning for energy and fat loss, lowers levels of cholesterol in the blood, restores leptin sensitivity, and decreases inflammation. The body also uses this time when fasted to repair damaged and worn out cell membranes, tissues, and organelles. This is also a great time for your body to detoxify, kill off underlying infections, and boost your overall immune system. Fasting is also easy and can be implemented relatively simply by most people. And it's free. This not only doesn't cost you anything, but it can end up saving you money by not needing all of those snacks. What about risks and who shouldn't fast? When done properly, fasting has very little risk. The risks come in when it's not done properly. Generally, this comes from fasting too long, fasting while taking certain medications, fasting with certain medical conditions, fasting while pregnant or breastfeeding, fasting while malnourished or underweight, or fasting through signs that it's time to break the fast. Now, I would never advise anyone to jump into a multi-day fast right off the bat. I also wouldn't recommend starting any extended fasting while consuming poor food choices. It's best to clean up your diet first and then slowly increase the fasting window. Fasting and nearly every dietary strategy should not be taken on while pregnant or breastfeeding, unless you're being advised by a medical doctor for a specific medical reason. This is both for the sake of the mother and the baby. These are times to help the baby grow, enjoy it, and focus on that priority. Certain medications must be taken with food or need to be monitored and adjusted as your health changes. This includes medications for blood pressure, thyroid, blood sugar, mental health, and many more. Be sure to discuss fasting with your prescribing physician to ensure rapid changes can be made if necessary. Fasting does require that your body has adequate stored fuel available when food is not coming in. So if you're currently malnourished or underweight with very low body fat, you should not fast as you will only be able to burn lean tissue for fuel. Losing lean tissue comes at a serious detriment to your health. And lastly, you should never white knuckle your way through a fast. If at any point you don't feel well, get shaky, dizzy, tired, weak, it's time to break the fast with food. Slowly start with some protein and healthy fats. You can always fast another day. Don't push it. Fasting is an incredible healing tactic when applied correctly that can provide great benefit for conditions like diabetes, autoimmune conditions, hypertension, mental health disorders, low energy or fatigue, some kinds of cancers, insulin resistance, hormone imbalances, those who are overweight or obese, frequent illnesses, 
inflammatory conditions, and so many others. Please use caution to ensure that you're applying these methods correctly and safely. I highly recommend you work with a professional at the beginning of your fasting journey to ensure that you're applying these techniques properly and safely and with your goals in mind. This is just one of many strategies I use with my clients to repair metabolism and gut health. If you'd like to learn more about fasting or other holistic health strategies, schedule a free call with me to get your questions answered. I'll leave a link in the description. Until the next, be well and vibrant. Thanks for being a faithful listener to the podcast. I'd love it if you left me a five-star review on this podcast so that others can more easily find this valuable information. Did you know I also work one-on-one with clients? I approach solving health challenges like I approached solving crimes by conducting a thorough investigation into your case. Sadly, hundreds of millions of people in the U.S. have insulin resistance, pre-diabetes, and diabetes, and the vast majority have no idea. I'm here to fix that. If you struggle with low energy, stubborn weight, hypertension, sleep disturbances, or any other undesired symptoms, let's talk. All you have to do is schedule a free call. The link will be in the show notes. And no, you do not need to live near me.